Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, <coughs> excuse me, an exciting day. Uh, people voting all over the place. The lines are very impressive that I, I saw on television today. You had to be impressed also if you saw them. I've never seen so many people standing in line all day, miles and miles of lines. What does it all mean? I'm not sure. Is there a blue wave? I'm not sure. If anything, I've got to tell you, I've been glued to my TV set since about 6 o'clock watching this stuff. I'm totally confused. I was glad I had to stop to come and do this show. Uh, I'm totally confused. There's too much detail we're getting now. I've been watching MSNBC. I mean, we're getting to the nitty-gritty in the congressional districts, blockade, this, that. It's too much. I don't know where this is all going. Uh, I'm impressed with some of the Democratic numbers, but that could be hopefulness on my part. Uh, My sense is I I don't even think there's going to be a blue wave. Does that mean the Democrats aren't going to win? I don't know. Uh, And if you know you're a better person than me, maybe I'll be able to understand this better after this show. But let me get into my show tonight. Uh, it's, It's an important day. This has been Election-wise, one of the most important days in the history of our country. I am 83 years old. I keep bringing it to your attention, but I'm 83. I've seen a lot of elections. I'm trying to remember who's the first president I voted for. I probably voted for Eisenhower uh, in the Eisenhower-Stevenson races. That's probably when I first voted. Uh, And I've been watching them for years. This is exciting, uh, very exciting And today is the most important, especially for a midterm election. Again, I'm telling you something that's been drummed into your heads of mind for the last two months. With regard to that, I want to give you or share with you uh, two quotes I came across uh, today. One as to the importance of today, and not necessarily as an election day, but the importance of a day, a day, this day, in the sense of things, and the other, a comment on Trump and this day. The first is by Ernest Hemingway. Obviously, he could not be talking about Trump in this election. He's been long gone. Uh, But talking about a day and the importance of it, here's what Ernest Hemingway wrote at one time, and I quote, Today is only one day in all the days that will ever be. Today is only one day in all the days that will ever be. But what will happen in all the other days that ever come can depend on what you do today. Listen to this last line again. But what will happen in all the other days that ever come can depend on what you do today. Very true. Now, Ian Walsh. Ian Walsh is a Canadian blogger. I read him every day. I don't always agree with him, but the guy's terrific. Ian Walsh. Welsh, rather, I'm sorry. W-E-L-S-H. And in his blog today about our midterm elections, and he follows the United States quite closely, as you will find, if you've ever visited Canada for any length of time, those Canadians live and die by what happens in our country. They think we're nuts. I'll tell you this right now. Uh, They have negative feelings about us when it comes to politics and the judgments we make, but 
My point is they observe our political life in this country. Here's what Ian had to write today, and I quote, Trump's, Trump's a very effective guy in certain ways, but he's also a moron in a lot of other ways, and a cruel and rather petty man. Let's hope Americans put a break on him. Repeating it, Trump's a very effective guy in certain ways, but he's also a moron in a lot of other ways. And a cruel and rather petty man, let's hope Americans put a break on him. Well, I agree with that. I'm pro, I'm anti-Trump, obviously, you're all well well aware of it. And I think that statement pretty well, uh, by Ian Walsh, pretty well covers Trump. Now, want to move on to Hurricane Michael. I am truly upset. I am venting. Uh, I said as Michael was coming in, before it hit the panhandle, before it hit land, uh, when it was anticipated to be a four or five, that, and Trump was on television, the head of FEMA was on television, don't worry, folks, we're ready, we're going to take care of you. Trump said, we've got the money, because money's important in in taking care of an area after it's been hit. Look at money, big money. We've had so many hurricanes lately and storms and fires. And I didn't believe it. And I said, then he won't live up to it. Michael is going to turn out to be a Maria. And Texas, especially, is going to turn out to be another Puerto Rico. I think I am correct. Since the hurricane hit as a four and then became a five in the panhandle, uh, I have asked on this show in my Key West Lou live two or three minute thing every day on Facebook and in my blog several times. And it's only four, it's only a month now, four days less than a month since, uh, since uh, Hurricane uh, Michael hit. Uh, I have asked, where's the news on Michael? We don't read much in the paper or here on the TV. We, we don't, nobody's talking about Michael. The government isn't talking about Michael. FEMA is not talking about Michael. Now, let me tell you something. I've said this before in this instance. I absolutely guarantee if FEMA and Trump's administration were a success with regard to Michael, they'd be on the newscast 24 hours a day saying, look at the great job we're doing. You don't hear anything from them, which means it intimates they're not doing a good job. And I'm telling you they're not. And this is going to, at some point, has to become major news in this country. I mean, not only are they American citizens like the people from Puerto Rico, but they, they actually live in the continental United States. Not that this should make any difference. So let me share with you a couple of things about Michael. And I'm going to talk about the Small Business Administration and FEMA, Michael, and what's happening in the panhandle in the state of Florida, especially. So some of this affects Georgia and the Carolinas. Uh, the, the Small Business Association, now you have to understand, a lot of businesses got their buildings went, their businesses got ruined. There, there's no place for them to work, to employ people. They, they've sustained big losses. Uh, well, the SBA announced uh, yesterday very, very, very openly and with pride that they had approved $8.6 million in loans. Disaster loans, $8.6 million in disaster loans. That's bullshit money. 
for the losses sustained, which will be in the hundreds of millions, if the billions of dollars, just for small businesses down there, $8.6 million. Isn't that nice? They've approved. That doesn't mean they didn't say they gave the money out yet. Stay with me. You're going to love this. They've approved $8.6 million in disaster loans. However, payment is being deferred, okay, because what they want these small businesses to do is to make the repairs first, and then they'll give them the money. Who the hell needs the government? These people, they, they, they need the money first to rebuild. These are small businesses. This isn't, this isn't General Electric or IBM. They have to repair, and then they get the money because the government wants to make sure the government's not going to get screwed by business people or small business people especially who might want to cheat, cheat them. So they got to make the repairs. One, they don't have the money, most of them, if not all of them. Uh, and number two, where are they going to get the people, if they have the money, to do the construction work, the repair work, uh, the renovation, the rebuilding necessary? I was here for Irma. I saw what happened. People who did finally, people took a long time to get money from insurance companies or from the government, and when they finally got the money, there was nobody to hire to do the work to, re, to rebuild. Because the contractors, you don't have enough contractors when you have a disaster of this na uh, magnitude. Even if they come in from out of state, you still don't have enough contractors. And I'll tell you this too, the contractors only work for money. You don't say, well, you do the work, and when the government pays me, I'll pay you, because they know the government's a bureaucracy, and it's going to take forever to get paid. So they don't do your work. you got to have cash in hand. you got to have good, solid American dollars. So this is bullshit. i got to say it again. Uh, mon you know, bullshit walks and money talks. The people haven't got the money. The government says, you repair first, then we're going to reimburse you. What are you going to do with it? It's a nothing gift. It's a nothing situation. Uh, and uh, the SBA should be ashamed. But they did this because they're political, a political bureaucracy, and they want the world to know what a wonderful job they're doing. Now, let's talk about FEMA. It's even better. I want to talk about Panama City and FEMA and the Trump administration. Panama City in the panhandle got hit bad, okay? The officials, governmental officials in Panama City and the citizens of Panama City have been complaining. And this is what they have been urging of the federal government. Speed up. Move your asses. You're not down here enough. I apologize for raising my voice, but this is disgusting. Uh, this is a housing crisis, they're telling the federal government, that worsens by the day worsens by the day they concede the first week fema and the federal government were terrific fema is the federal government they were in there handing out bottles of water they were in there handling handing out food packages they were handing out some tents diapers for the baby but it ended it's it's not ended. it's dissipated it's going downhill downhill and downhill it's on a fast downhill spiral the assistance coming now why well Panama's officials and Panama citizens says it's very simple. It's a complex bureaucracy. Washington is a complex bureaucracy. And the efforts to help us are uncoordinated. 
Washington is totally uncoordinated as to how to assist people in a situation of this nature, okay? Can you believe that? Uh, after all the heavy storms we've, we've had, Katrina in New Orleans, Sandy, uh, Irma, Maria, they are uncoordinated. When the hell are they going to learn? When are they going to learn? And what's happening and what is making especially the governmental officials in Panama City concerned is that a lot of people are leaving, a lot of the citizens, and they're never going to come back. They can't stay there where they don't have a house to sleep in, a tent to sleep in, aren't getting enough food or water, shitting in a hole in the ground. Do you follow me? So they're leaving this area. They're moving to another state or another part of the country to start their lives over. Now, the mayor of Panama City says, give us a fast-track, comprehensive housing plan, because housing is a disaster. Remember, a lot of the cities along the panhandle, not a building left up, down to the ground. All you got is raw lumber laying there and bricks and mortar. He says, give us a fast-track, comprehensive housing plan, which they don't have the government. Uh, he's telling them. He's telling Washington, think outside the box, okay? Think outside the box. Governmental officials in the panhandle came up with this because they're in the water. He said, we need housing. We're not even getting enough tents. We don't have any electricity. Let's do this. Let's take some barges and cruise ships that aren't being used because we can quickly redo them, in effect, quickly redo them. Uh, and use them as floating shelters until things get better here. At least the people have a roof over their head for a year or so and do it that way. Well, we can't do that, FEMA says, because the, con the, the conditions would be very unsanitary, unsanitary conditions. Here people are pissing and shitting in what used to be streets and in holes in the ground. What could be more unsanitary? They do Still, most of them don't have water, okay? I don't know what they're drinking. I don't know if they've got enough bottled water. Uh, they, there's no air conditioning. The humidity is overwhelming. The mosquitoes and yellow jackets, are, are, they're like they came out of Jurassic Park. I reported it this way last week. They're three or four times the normal size. Uh, and that's not, that's sanitary? <laughs> that's sanitary? Uh, this, and again, he reiterated the crisis is due to the bureaucracy in Washington. Uh, money we need money will get us out of the, here, out of this problem. But there's nowhere we can get the money because you people aren't giving it to us in Washington. We need money. And even if we had the money, we still don't have enough workers to help. But let's get the ball rolling. Now, there's gouging down there. There are some condominiums that didn't get battered badly. And guess what? The landlords are renting them out to these people who need housing. You know the cost? $200 a night, $200 a night, put them in jail. I agree with Trump here, you know, JLM or whatever his people cry in this regard. Uh, the government's overstretched financially. There's no question about it. I predicted this two or three days before the storm hit. It's all money. It's always been money. There's not enough money. And Trump's avoiding, has avoided discussing this during the campaign because what's he going to say? Where the hell am I going to get the money, okay? Uh, it's obvious that people are living in unsafe and unhealthy conditions. 
most of them need a safe place just to sleep in the evening, to sleep tonight. Uh, the, by the way, remember those trailers? We had trailers here following Wilma. Then we had some trailers here. We didn't have as many trailers for Irma, and we needed them. Apparently, <coughs> there are not enough trailers. Either the ones that were used several years ago aren't any good, or the ones that are good have all been given out, and not enough have been manufactured, or there is not enough in stock. So they can't even give people uh, the the uh, trailers to use for housing. The situation, my friends, is very dire, and our government, their government, is not paying attention to it. And understand this, what happens to Panama City today what happened to Puerto Rico yesterday can happen to you or me tomorrow, no matter what part of the country you live in. A disaster of this magnitude can always occur. Now, let's move on to China and Iran quickly. And wars, war, war, war. China's president last week, President Xi, issued an order to his military. and the, the, It was very simple. He said, and I quote, prepare for war. Prepare for war. Now, who the hell is they going to go to China going to go to war with? They're going to go to war with us. Trump has sanctioned them very, very severely, extremely severely. China can't handle the sanctions for very long. They've, they're past the point of handling the sanctions, and they're not going to sit on their asses, and they're not going to come begging to the United States to lift the sanctions. They've got to be treated with respect because FACE, F-A-C-E, is very important is very important to Asians. The relationship right now, okay, between Washington and Beijing has hit rock bottom. I don't even know if they're talking. Which brings me now to Iran. Um, Sanctions. Trump is really putting it to Iran, improperly so, I believe. Iran made a deal with the United States in 2015 with regard to future nuclear development. They had an agreement. Six nations agreed to it. Iran agreed to it. Now, Iran wanted it primarily because they had severe sanctions on them that were killing them, and they had to be lifted. And they capitulated finally. Now, Trump pulls out pulls the United States out. The other five nations, Euro nations, are staying and working with Iran. But Iran's getting hurt by the sanctions. And yesterday was the day that the major sanctions were imposed, and Trump did impose them yesterday and on Iran. Now, you have to understand, oil, the exporting of oil, is major income to Iran, all right? Well... <laughs> Here's what he says. Trump has pulled us out of the agreement. All right. The sanctions are now back. Uh, they – bear with me a second here. I lost my notes here. Uh, the, the Euro Union is still staying with Iran. However, here's what the sanction, how the sanctions work. Any company – this is what we say. Any company that trades with Iran is excluded from doing business in the United States. Any company that trades with Iran, this would be a foreign company, is excluded from doing business in the United States. Any United States company that does business 
with a company that does business with Iran, any U.S. company that does business with a company uh, that does business with Iran, see how far we're going, will be punished. The punishment is not spelled out. It will probably be extreme fines. Banking sector sanctions are expected also. Now, what's going to happen and what is already happening is they've got to export oil. If Iran doesn't export crude oil, it's getting its throat slit. They have huge oil deposits. This is the way they sustain themselves economically. Who the hell is going to do business with them? These are countries. These are countries and businesses not located in the United States that if they do business with Iran, we're cutting them off from doing business here. Horrible. So what's happening already is wave, waves of international companies are pulling their investments out of Iran, have already stopped doing business with Iran, and before even yesterday when these sanctions uh, went into place, crude oil exports were already dramatically falling. I want to talk about Donald Trump, our esteemed president, and the caravans and the invasion that's coming from Guatemala and Honduras. Did you know today, I, this comes to mind immediately in watching the election results, the people in this country were mostly interested today in health insurance. Uh, the immigration situation ran a very distant second and was only two points above uh, economic problems. So this immigration thing is not, I think it was 23 or 22 percent of the people were concerned about, who, who voted today were consider, concerned about immigration, where in excess of 40 percent were interested in health issues. Now he talks about this invasion. Did you notice, especially this past week, Trump has increasingly used the word invasion when he spoke about these caravans coming. Well, the reason he's doing this is because, don't forget, he can send as many as 15,000 United States Army soldiers down there to guard the border. Uh, He's already sent 5,000. They were supposed to have been there by last Saturday night. No, we haven't heard whether they are or not. We have seen them setting up barbed wire, though. And what's happening is this. He keeps talking about the invasion coming. And the reason is there is a law in this country. It's called the Posse Comitatus Act. I am pronouncing each of the words correctly. The first was Posse, like, you know, the guys of the cowboys riding after the bank robbers and Comitatus Act. And the Posse Comitatus Act, it says the United States military cannot be deployed within the boundaries of the United States uh, for enforcement purposes, nor can they shoot guns, use firearms anywhere within the boundaries of the United States. If you need help, go to the state governors and get the National Guard. So he is violating the law in in doing this. Initially, Trump said, oh, We're just sending them down to assist with administrative work. They're only going to help. Within a couple of days, they were carrying guns. They were going to have guns. We started with 800 last week. Now we're up to almost 15,000 if he wants them. I think 5,000 are already there. In addition to 20,000 border guards, in addition to 22 to 2,000 rather national guardsmen, in addition to ICE delegations, and we don't know how many there, they don't tell us that's the president's private army that he's developed in the last two years under Homeland Security. 
And so he keeps talking evasion because the law says this Posse Comitatus Act, you can only have guns and shoot if you're part of the U.S. Army within the boundaries of the United States if there is an invasion. Now, every expert that's written on this has said these immigrants coming across the border don't constitute an invasion. But he keeps using that word, hoping and believing, and with him you never know, that this will justify it if someone gets shot. Because he's got his guys carrying guns. And he said, he said last week, if one child, if any person, any person throws a rock, not one child, if any person throws a rock, I will consider the rock a rifle and my people will shoot back. Uh, then he backed off of it two days later because it was horrendous, the, the, the backlash he was getting. The barbed wire. You see them putting up the barbed wire? Where are we? In Afghanistan? I don't believe it. And you know what's going to be worse? I see it coming. Visualize this. The immigrants are finally, they're, they're still about three weeks away from reaching the border, and their numbers are getting smaller all the time because these people are dropping off. We're going to see bodies of immigrants lying on that barbed wire, and Trump's going to say, these are pictures of them trying to invade the United States, and we stopped them. They ended up on the barbed wire, which is on our side of the border. That's where this thing is going. Fox News, I don't understand, I understand, because it's Fox News, what I'm going to share with you now. Uh, we, we initially started with, what was it, 3,000 were going to come across. We were going to have 4,000 were coming across the border, immigrants. Then the number went up to 5,000, then it went to 7,000, and then it went back to 3,500, and that's the last number we got from the federal government. It's probably less than that now. It's been a week since we got a number of immigrants coming numbers go up and down here. Fox News announced two days ago, okay, that, <laughs> you're not going to believe this, 12,000 immigrants are on the way. Fox News, 12, they did it even better than Trump. 12,000 immigrants are on the way now. But they're coming in four different caravans. Now, they're the only ones that told us there are three other caravans coming in from Honduras and Guatemala. But they got 12,000 coming. Disgraceful. The whole thing's disgraceful. Now, Trump tells us we're in good financial shape. The economy's the best it's ever been. Look at this. Look at that. Look at the stock market. The last two weeks has fluctuated 800 points up and down every, every few days. That's not stable economy. I have predicted last year that at this time or sometime early next year, we're going to have a depression. And I still believe the recession's coming. Uh, the other thing is this. He tells us how, you know, everybody's got, we have more people working and this is better and that's better. Why doesn't he tell us about General Motors that announced last week it was laying off 18,000 employees? You didn't hear that, did you? Or why didn't he announce last week that General Electric had dropped its dividend? Big General Electric, mighty General Electric. You know what they dropped their dividend to this year? A penny a share. Now, what does that tell you? Things are tough. There's a crack in the wall at General Electric, just as there is at General Motors. But he doesn't tell us about those things. That scares me. General Electric and General Motors having problems like that. Beto O'Rourke. I don't know if he's going to win or lose. I watched this thing till 5 o'clock. Five, till 5 to 9, um, as soon as the show's over in three minutes, I'm going to be back in front of the television set. Uh, I think he's a terrific candidate, the candidate for
for senator on the Democratic ticket in Texas. If he wins, it's a miracle. It reminds me of Robert Kennedy. I've said this before. I knew Kennedy. This guy, the way he talks, even his hair, reminds me of Bob Kennedy. Uh, Cruz was leading about 10 points a few days ago going into this election. Democrats don't win in statewide elections in Texas for 25 years. O'Rourke is about one or one and a half points behind right now when I left to do this show. Uh, It looked like he may be losing a close one. Don't know yet. We shall see. Remember Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump, wasn't that a terrific movie? Tom Hanks won the Academy Award for it. He ran cross-country. Remember, you go from one end of the country to the other, then turn around and go again because he liked to run and he had to run. Well, there's a new Forrest Gump. His name is Pete Kostelnik. Pete Kostelnik's 31 years old. He showed up in Key West yesterday. He ran from Alaska to Key West. He left Alaska on July 31st. He ran 5,400 miles, averaged 55 miles per day. Not the first time he ran cross-country country. He did it in 2016, San Francisco to New York City, 3,067 miles, did it in 42 days. God bless him. And that's my show for tonight. Hope you enjoyed. I enjoyed sharing with you. I hope more Democrats win than Republicans tonight. Who the hell knows? I apologize if I offend you. Join me again next week. I love doing the show. I love the fact you listen in. I'm glad my numbers keep going up every week. Love it. Have a good evening.